thrusters won't stop firing. I think I'm being followed. My dad is turning green, like literally green. My last nav check put me on the Grange Point 4. This is Control, be radial. Keep calm and remain on the guard frequency. Greetings, Citizen Civs. You're tuned to the Guard Frequency. As all good pilots know, when you're out in the deep black, you want to keep one ear on the guard. This is episode 89 and was recorded on September 18th and made available for download September 22nd at GuardFrequency.com. I'm Tony. I'm Jeff. And I'm Lennon. What do we have this week, Lennon? Well, in this week's Squawk Box, we update you on a few of our hot-button topics. In CIG News, we bring you everything that's happening around the UEE, including our weekly crowdfunding update, more on the Community Hub, 10 for the Chairman, Episode 66, and the Friday Star Marine update. In Nuggets for Nuggets, we tune into Rich and Famous Universe, and finally, we tune into the feedback loop and let you join in on the conversation. Sits and Sivs, you can help us bring more of the show that you love by visiting our website, guardfrequency.com, and clicking the Patreon button. For the low, low price of $1.25 per episode, you can become a backer and get access to the unedited recordings of the show for a whole three days before our Tuesday release. Of course, we're happy to share our labor of love with you each week free of charge, but it's nice to get the occasional concrete reminder that folks out there in the verse love listening to the show as much as we love making it. We thank the folks who have already chipped in and we hope you consider making a regular contribution. The more support we get, the better show we can make. And that takes care of the housekeeping, so let's get on with the show and see what's coming through the school books. Any of you boys need a carrier around here? Uh, everything's under control. Situation This is Tony saying welcome to the Squawk Box, everyone. Uh, this week there were a number of little tidbits on topics that we keep tabs on around here, so I'm just going to read them all out Paul Harvey style. Now, if you don't know who Paul Harvey is, you're probably up past your bedtime and are too young to listen to old geezers like us. Or possibly you're British. Page one. Item. Pluto is pretty in pictures. The New Horizons probe data is streaming its way back to Earth a few gigawatts, sorry, gigabytes at a time. Uh, among them was an image that I think is probably the textbook photo of Pluto. I'm going to attempt a word picture for all of you out there in radio land. The graceful arc of a frozen world at sunset. To your right, a frigid plain of ice scarred only by carved channels of flowing liquid nitrogen. And to the left, jagged peaks of 11,000-foot mountains climbing suddenly from the plain without even the courtesy warning of foreboding foothills to caution the unwary space traveler. Huh? Good? Word picture? Yeah? I'm picturing words. Jeff? Oh, oh, yeah, I'm sorry, yes. I Well, having seen the <laughs> picture, I've already... In the majesty of the clearly, you were caught up in the drama, yes. yes. That's, yeah, clearly, that's what that was. We're well, gonna, having yes. having seen the pictures, I've already, you know, I, I knew exactly what you were describing, so it was unfair of me to give a unbiased response. Too, too, you're too kind. You're too kind. Note to self, work on word pictures. Okay. Plus, he's going there Tuesday, so... Ah. Item. Another new tenant for the Kennedy Space Center in Florida. Following up on our squawk box of last week, Blue Origin has signed a deal to use Launch Complex number 36 for its test flights. Right now, Blue Origin may not be a household name in the space industry, but its founder, Jeff Bezos, is no stranger to the headlines in his day jobs as Amazon.com CEO and owner of the Washington Post. His company's claim to fame is the experimental BE4, B4, liquid methane-powered engine currently in development. In addition to being a total ripoff of the obsolete Data clone in Star Trek Next Generation movie Nemesis, the Blue Engine 4 is going to power another Star Trek-y named vehicle, United Launch Alliance's Vulcan rocket currently in development. 
The rocket real estate market in Florida is literally heating up. Page two, item. India gets stung and the only cure is a scorpion. After 18 years of development issues, the Indian Air Force has suspended Hindustan Aeronautics work on the intermediate jet trainer. Designed to be a baby step between the trainee's first jet and a full-powered fighter aircraft, the IJT has suffered from missed deadlines and muff tests, and the Air Force just got tired of waiting. Especially when they can buy one on the market cheaply and ready for delivery within the next two years. Anyone got a guess as to the replacement? Huh? 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 If you said Textron Scorpion, get yourself a cookie. Did you say Scorpion, Jeff? Yes, I did. Okay, good. No orders are announced yet, but shutting down a development project after 18 years seems like a pretty final step. Item. The F-35 gets stung on its first cruise aboard the USS Wasp. In addition to letting me recycle a joke, this next story lets me recycle the theme of an over-budget and delayed aircraft that should have been canceled long ago. Back in July, the U.S. Marine Corps designated their version of the F-35, the vertical takeoff one, as operational. Now, back in the old days, this designation meant that the plane could do things like shoot its gun, drop its bombs, and operate its sensors to, wait for it, complete operations. Missing pins, broken voltage regulators, and a host of other complaints prompted the report to state of one particular airframe. BF-37 seemed useful only to test the skills of the embarked maintainers. Ouch. Despite having an army of contractors and a fleet of MV-22 Osprey cargo lifters at their disposal, the five-plane squadron struggled to keep even a 50% availability mark, let alone the 80% level usually expected in, wait for it, operational conditions. None of this would be a problem if the plane was, say, a pre-alpha test program. But this, ladies and gentlemen, is operational. You keep using the horn. I don't think it means what you think it means. There was um, even more to this uh, grand scheme of Bezos uh, other than just, you know, renting uh, some unused portion of NASA. Oh, so you're telling me this real estate deal is just the tip of the iceberg? Tip of the iceberg. Yeah, it goes deeper. Well, actually, it goes higher. Higher. Oh, 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 do tell. Oh, yeah. He wants to he wants to put a living community in space. Yes. Yes. The normal Joe Blow, you and I could one day work in space. Would we have all of our stuff delivered to us from Amazon? Could we could we get one click ordering? <laughs> yeah, probably. He'll send up a drone. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I just I found this only because I mean, you know, I'm I'm looking for a job right now and I'm thinking, oh yeah, I'll apply for uh, space duty. <laughs> sure. Well I bet they need computer guys. I oh yeah. They need computer yeah. programmers, yeah. And uh, network engineers. It's good to see that unused launch pads that are down there are now being, you know, put it back into service and that this is where competition might actually be good. You know, and there's sometimes when competition just gets sort of excessive, you know, like do we need McDonald's and Burger King? You know, I don't know, maybe. But this you know, rocket engines, yeah, I mean, which one goes faster, which one's safer, which one's cheaper, you know, compete to be the best. I didn't see this in the article that I read, but there's a side effect to all this, too. So you, you can't imagine that NASA is not renting this or leasing this land for a dollar a day. you, you got to realize that they're probably making a nice chunk of change. Now, if the federal government is not grabbing that cash, this will give NASA some operational funds that will allow them to continue their own space program stuff. I have some bad news for you, Jeff. Oh, yeah. A lot of these pads are actually uh, part of the Air Force Base that's to the south. So it's like it's all government tangly stuff because 
there's different launch pads. So like Pad 39A, which SpaceX has, is on NASA's side of the fence. But Pads 36 and 41, which are Blue Origin and Boeing, I think those are both on the Air Force Base. So, wah, wah. I don't, th- I don't think NASA's going to be able to keep the rent money off of those. Now, they may be able to keep the rent money from Boeing because they rented the orbital assembly facility. That's on NASA's stuff. So they may be they may be taking advantage of some of your suggestion, but not not all the stuff. Not all this is uh, actually on on NASA ground. I don't know if it's NASA ground now. It used to be RCA land. I know this because my dad managed the facilities. RCA land, or the television company. Uh, well, now actually they were a satellite company that happened ah. to be in televisions, and my dad was a, a satellite repair technician in the early '60s and went to work for RCA when he got out of the service and ended up managing all the facilities at Cape Canaveral. Cape Canaveral is actually owned by RCA, but was leased to uh, NASA. Have you read, seen, or heard something you think might be interesting to other citizens or civilians? Send an email to squawk at guardfrequency.com. Now let's check out some CIG news. 3175 Port Bay, hands on approach, checkers green, call the ball. Don't get technical with me. Crowdfunding update for September 18, 2015 is 89,118,000, up about 200,000 from last week. And Star Citizens now number 981,000, up about 3,000. And the UE fleet has grown by 2,000 ships. A slow week. It's still only like $91 per person, but oh well. I know, I know. We have such high expectations, though. The Community Hub has now been rolled out to all backers. Turbulent finally managed to iron out all the kinks, and now the community has a new place to call home. We've covered the basics last week, but we thought it would only be fair to have a more in-depth look at this new part of the RSI site. The Community Hub is essentially divided into five areas. Citizen Spotlight, Deep Space Radar, Live Streamers, Podcasts, and MVP. First up, the Citizen Spotlight is a place to share images and video. Backers can upload screenshots or videos directly to the site, where it will proudly adorn the virtual walls of CIG's website. Once published, the other citizens can comment and upvote your artwork, allowing truly great content to rise up to the top. If you want to share content, not images or video, for example, a news article, then Deep Space Radar is the place to post it. Again, as with the Citizen Spotlight, content can be commented on and upvoted by the community. Next up are two sections you could say are near and dear to us, live streamers and podcasts. Citizens can submit their Twitch streams or podcasts in a similar way to the Spotlight or Deep Space Radar, and CIG will collate and display them on the website. Although we did come across a small issue. Now, bear with me here, audience, but I want you to use your imaginations. Imagine, if you will, that I'm just a guy with a podcast. Okay, you with me here? Okay. Now, let's say I submit my podcast to the site, and everything's great, and I'm now featured. The Hub's front page shows the latest podcast. That's great. So, a week later, when we submit the next episode, we'll be on the front page, right? Wrong! Unfortunately, the site doesn't check for updates to the podcast feed and simply shows them an order of feed submission. So, if you happen to be like us, Scarred Frequency, you know, kind of overachievers, got their sighting in early, and we also release an episode every week, we're destined to always be at the bottom of that list. But, uh, because we were the second show to submit out of everybody... Um, all we can really say is at least we're not Imperial News Network who got there first. Huh? Huh? Right? <laughs> no prize for first place this time, I guess. Ugh. And the MVP is 
well, it's the MVP. Uh, in case you've not seen any episodes of Wingman's Hangar nor Around the Verse, the MVP, or Most Valuable Poster, is a special highlight by the community team of an outstanding contributor that week. And that's the basic overview of the community hub right now, but what about the future? Well, coming soon, TM, subscribers will be able to submit 10 for the chairman questions and the community can vote on the ones they want to see answered. Dedicated chat windows for each live stream and podcast will be appearing. YouTube gaming will be added to the list of live streaming options. There will be dedicated org functionality, so you have your own little community within a community. A search feature, yay, and much, much more. A search feature would be would be nice. It would. Yeah, a search, <laughs> search feature would be nice, but I hope they really fix the whole podcast issue. I'm sure that they'll get enough kibitz about yeah, it. Yeah, Skiffy submitted a ticket or something like that uh, to him to try to get some attention on this. I mean, it's... And I think it's not just podcasters. I think that needs to be put out to the live stream stuff, too. And anytime, anything where a regular release or a periodic refreshing of the content uh, gets done. It doesn't make sense for the community or for the people making the content that the new stuff isn't you know featured front and center. I mean that's the way it's the community hub, and if the community's talking about it, that needs to happen. You know, on Tuesdays our podcast needs to be on the front page because that's when it's new. But it doesn't need to be on the front page on Thursdays because it's not new anymore. There are other podcasts that have recorded and released between those times. So it just makes sense to refresh that up there. And probably by the time this gets published, it'll already be fixed and already be that way. And we're just here, you know, you know, shouting at clouds. But uh, that I think that's something that really needs to let be addressed. Me, let me, let me try the, the personal approach here, Tony. Hey, Ben. Ben, I know you're listening because we are your favorite podcast. I mean, after almost 90 episodes, I know you're, we are your number one way to get your news and resources. And of course, I'm talking to Ben Lesnick here. I know that you can get this completed. So, yeah, snap to it, buddy. The feature you have listed to me will definitely be happening. Okay, good. We've got that settled. Jeff, yeah. you're right, man. The personal touch, the personal approach. That's really, that's how you get things done. Nicely I, played. Well I, done. I like the idea that Ben Lesnick listens to Guard Frequency to get news about the company he works for. <laughs> That's my favorite part of the whole thing. He's just so hard at work that he doesn't have time to listen to yeah, things he's like, like release schedules. Hundreds of emails, or I can listen to 30 minutes of these guys yeah. in the game ring. You know, just <laughs> random crap out of their heads. Yeah. Mm-ah. So have you guys found anything on the Community Hub that really, like, caught your attention? There's some great LEGO Starships on the front page, though. You should at least check those out, if, if nothing else, purely because it's LEGO. I get LEGO. those on my Twitter feed, though. Yeah, but now you get them on the RSI website. Yeah, but the Twitter feed is in my pocket. Yeah, but the RSI website isn't. Right. And do you keep Lego in your pocket? No, but I should. Yeah, I think, yeah, that's another thing we need to start doing. <laughs> well, the cold of winter is approaching, and we won't be able to, you know, go out and do stuff, so maybe James and I will tackle some of these Lego Star Citizen ships and see what we come up with. Got to have something to do until the first-person shooter module is released, right, Tony? Right you are, sir. And we might as well use that as a nice segue into our discussion of 10 for the Chairman, episode 66, because it's out. Chris, once again, takes 10 questions from the subscribers, which the community will be able to vote on soon, and gives us the answers that only the chairman can. There's always a lot of info in these episodes, but we wanted to highlight just a couple of our favorite bits. Firstly, Citizen Virus one asks, What will we do while transiting between systems on long flights? I've got a Vanguard, and while my job will be piloting, what will my gunner have to do for long flights when he's not needed in the turret? Chris then starts talking about scales and time dilation because even though quantum drive is fine for short journeys and you know jump points are great for interstellar travel, going from, say, Earth to Pluto would be tedious at best. 
Eventually, Chris lets us know, quote, We're still in that process of figuring out what the appropriate amounts of time to travel will be. Enough to make the trips worthwhile and make you feel like, I've done a trip, but not enough where you just spend your time in boring quantum space, unquote. Well, luckily for you, Mr. Chairman, I've been kicking around an idea in my head for a while now. <laughs> for a while? But we'll get back to that in just a second. <laughs> Secondly, Citizen Ghost will ask about the possibility of game-supporting add-ons so that Sits and Sivs can make their own little apps for the verse. And Chris says that, yes, there will be an API available to allow people to scrape economy data as well as info for secondary displays but that it's not a short-term project and definitely will not be first up. Then he adds, that's amazing what you guys have managed to do without us providing any of that, so imagine what you could do if we did. And finally, while some of us were more excited about the FPS launch than others, one thing we can say for certain is that we're all looking forward to the release of Arena Commander 2.0, or Star Citizen Alpha, as it's being renamed. Essentially, Star Citizen Alpha will be a true mini persistent universe. For now, I'll let the chairman tell you his plans. First of all, I think we're sort of um, starting to, well, we're not starting to, we've sort of decided that it's not really Arena Commander uh, that we're dropping. We're dropping sort of multi-crew, which is really, you know, we, we've been calling it SC Alpha for a while, but LC, SC Alpha, as we drop with the multi-crew, will have Arena Commander inside it, it will have Star Marine inside it, it will have the social planet side inside it. Plus, you'll be playing on a brand new map. So uh, I think I've talked about this before. It's a large world map. It's it's uh, much, 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 much bigger than the Arena Commander maps, which uh, I think are limited to about eight or ten kilometers in diameter. Um, and this map is uh, hundreds of thousands of millions of kilometers in size. So it's you know you know geometrically larger by a long way. Uh, and uh, you know we've sort of set it in sort of uh, you know it's not. It's set up to be more like the Persistent Universe, so it's not meant to be a simulation the way that Arena Commander itself is, and you know, which is a bit more gamey. Sounds promising. Let's hope that they can hit the end of October deadline. A lot of good stuff in this episode. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Firstly, let's get to the mini Persistent Universe, and then I'll use that as a nice dovetail to go back to the thing I really want to talk about. <laughs> but the mini Persistent Universe, I think, I think you know... Branding and marketing and all that kind of stuff. You know, what do we call something so it evokes the right things? I think that they can legit call this release if it contains the features that they're talking about. They can legit call that Star Citizen Alpha. Yeah, without a doubt. That's it's got all the components that the game will eventually have, with the exception of system to system travel. And the system to system travel is just basically an instance change. The engineers can probably handle that if you know if all if all goes well within this one zone. I'm not really worried about instance changing. Another one of those things that computer people just sort of do now. But the rest of this sounds amazing. Uh, I'm, I'm ready for this to come out yesterday. Yeah, it really does. Everything from, well, first of all, the big map, the Crusader map, the one that's mm. 8 billion, trillion, billion miles long. I think just billion. No, no, I'm, I'm, I'm definitely not overselling this in the slightest. <laughs> it is. Uh, on a side note, did you hear that exaggerations went up by like a million times last year? Um, oh my god! I are know. you kidding me? Serious. Uh, so, secondly, the the really large scale map where you know, no matter what features they want to test, and I will save this particular phrase for the end here, but let's just say, you know, when you travel from, uh, like, Earth to Mars, you can do that through Quantum Drive. They could put a PvE mission in around the side of 
distance equivalent to Venus away. You've got so much open space that you can fill it with little pockets of everything you want to test. Now, you were saying that they need to transition from one instance, like one planetary system, to another. All of this is going to be done, as we know, through jump points, but we know that the jump point mechanic is going to be, uh, what was Chris's phrase, akin to uh, catching a wave off the coast of Hawaii or something like that and, you know, trying to ride it into shore. Yeah, I think it was the North Shore of Hawaii. Yeah. North Shore of Hawaii, yeah. So if they've only got this one system and they don't want to test it in another system, how are we going to test the jump point mechanic in the system? Hmm... I wish there was a way... Oh, wait a minute. I've got it. And I also have a way to solve their quantum travel time problems. <gasps> Tell us it's, more, Tony. I don't... I, hang... Bear with me. It's all coming together just as... Just right now. Live on the radio. What if there were many jump points? <gasps> oh, dude. Do tell. Explain. Oh, explain I, I know. I know. I know. Mind blown, right? I know. I've just blown your mind hang, right hang now. Just but two, hang on. Two Bear seconds, with me. Two seconds. Two seconds. Uh, Tony, tell us all about many jump points. Jeff, let's go to the pub. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you there. <laughs> uh, I, I got time for a pint. Yeah, or two. Yeah. Uh, it solves a number of problems. In all seriousness, it solves the, tri- the travel time problem. Because all you could do then is you just you quantum drive to the mini jump point that can be an arbitrary distance away. The designers can say, we think that a five-minute drive is enough time to play two of our poker mini games and mess with your inventory on your, on your, in your hold. Uh, they can set it for ten minutes. Lennon, pretzels? Yeah, yeah, sure. Cheers. <laughs> you didn't offer me any pretzels. Oh, that's because I don't want to talk with my mouthful. Good point. Secondly, it's going to let them test their jump mechanics in that server. They can have people tunnel from left to right, from up to down, from the station to the planet, whatever. And then they can test different strengths and varieties and sizes all within that same map. And if it works on the map, it'll definitely work the between-instance uh, problems, too. And that'll let people practice, and it'll be good for everybody. Just have the mechanic the same, just it won't travel quite as far. And third, it solves kind of an in-fiction problem that I had this whole time. These plants have been out there for hundreds of years. I mean, these systems have been developed, discovered. Uh, several of them in the, in the fiction planets have been entirely mined out by this point in humans' uh, exploration of space. How come all of a sudden we're going to be able to discover new asteroid fields to mine and other new resources? This solves the problem, because until the discovery of these mini jump points very recently, a lot of those asteroid belts and other pockets have just been too far away from established trade lanes to be profitable. Now, with the discovery of many jump points, you just hop out to these, up till now, unusable resources. Uh, So that solves that problem in fiction. It also greatly expands the number of jump points that can be discovered. It's not just, you know, the system system jump points can still be extremely rare and extremely valuable, but discovering an in-system mini jump point can be practice for that other scanning game at a much lower risk, much lower reward proposition, and it'll give people a flavor. Is this a game that I like to do? Do I like to play this kind of game or do I want to play, you know, as a miner or a pirate? So it's something with a low bar to entry, but also a low reward for people that can practice that kind of gameplay on a smaller scale. Can I? Mini jump points. Mini jump points, mini jump points, mini jump points. Solves a lot of problems. <laughs> do it. Can I just uh, sort of throw a little thing your way? Um, 
just just for like clarity's sake really is it actual mini jump points like the same mechanic that you're advocating or is it just literally like a ftl system almost to travel within the system i don't care either okay. way is fine so if they had I mean, for it, example it jump it gates that would it could be, fine. be yeah it could, it could be jump gates but i think making it mirror the system they've already described makes more sense for gameplay reasons you know, number one, maybe people aren't ready to take on the big jump between two systems. Maybe for their first few missions, they maybe the mini jump points are easier to navigate, like tutorial types things. Right. That this could be the introduction of the Persistent Universe. Hi, you know, hey Nugget, you know, your first mission is to jump out to the asteroid mining station that's been there for you know 100 years. You know, back in my day, we used to have to fly out there and it would take hours and hours. But lucky you, you 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 scruffy little nerf herder. You know, you can just take this mini jump point that we discovered three years ago, and you're there instantly. Now watch out. Don't crash into the walls. I'll give you some tips on how to fly. There, I've just written the tutorial mission. That's, uh, that's pretty good. So, I mean, it has a lot of this... Just do it, CIG. Just do it. It'll solve everything. <laughs> just, just for fear that we could talk forever on this topic, I'm going to steer I'll it away up. from minute, that too. But I'm going to steer it away from many jump points. I want to go back to this talk of the API and adding additional apps and things like this. And I'm really in like two minds about this whole thing because one, as an app developer, the word API is just like heavenly. That's great. I can actually do things with all the data from the game. I can make all these cool little add-ons. It'll be fantastic. But the other half of me kind of remembers the times when I used to play, like, Lotro and WoW and things like this. And they sort of got to a point where if you didn't have a certain set of add-ons that were, like, deemed to be must-haves, then you found it more difficult to get into groups to do content. And I realise that Star Citizen isn't, like, the MMO in that sense. But do you think that this will lead to a series of like, oh, what the heck, you're flying the Super Hornet and you don't even have a combat passer app? You know, what are you doing, man? You're clearly not. Do you think that it will lead to that kind of negative, you need to have these apps in order to actually play the game at the level that everybody else is expecting you to play? I mean, some of that does go on. Like, you know, we'll go back to our Lingua Franca again, Star Trek Online. You know, if you want to fly in some of those particular missions, and you don't know what your DPS rating is, then you clearly don't belong here. And, you know, you're just weighing the group down with your humble and, uh, you know, uh, clumsy presence. I can understand the need for those kinds of apps and, and things like Star Trek Online and WoW and whatnot because you're going into a rating situation in which you are grouping together for a single purpose. A single purpose right. is to go through this raid and kill several different bosses and you need a certain setup. I get that. Right. But let's get clear out there in Radio Land that Star Citizen may be an MMO, but it's unlike any other MMO in that it's not Eve, it's not WoW, it's not Star Trek Online. This is a universe in which you are going to live out your fantasy of being in space, living your livelihood. Yeah. I think that, and that's the that's the that's the design that Chris Roberts has. But we all know that that it doesn't it doesn't always work as intended once you let it out in the wild. And somebody out there is going to have an, an API or going to use an API to make an app that gives some people some kind of advantage. I don't I don't see an advantage here. I see I see market data. I see multiple screens. I mean, there's a lot of information pumping through flying a spaceship. Here, here's one I'm going to toss out there, and you guys tell me if this is a pipe dream or you know negative Nancy worry war type stuff. They've designed the system so that when you're in third person, you can't access any HUD data whatsoever. But if their APIs include HUD data, you could port that to a side screen and then have 
you know, a radar and something on your little Android tablet off to the side. So that would give people, that would, you know, let people play Rogue Squadron uh, in Star Citizen, which... Yeah, you're bad. you're a negative Nancy there. I, 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 okay. <laughs> I, I think, first of all, if somebody said, hey, you got to have this app or you got to be able to have the second screen or, well, first of all, I don't have the ability to have one, so I don't want you to be my friend anyway. Fine. Take your ball and go home. Yeah. I hate you. <laughs> you know, I, the, the universe is going to be so vast and so I can do anything. I can go out and go exploring. I don't need them. I, there's no levels. I'm not trying to level or, or get that epic gear. There's no epic gear to get. Well, it is. It'll just cost you a trip to the Bennu. Right. I, I'll go do some salvage work or go rescue somebody or, or you know, go haul some cargo or something. You know, unless you're a first-person shooter person that's going to spend your life in this first-person shooter SATA ball contest, there's no advantage. Well, then that was your topic. What do you think? The thing is, I can see both sides of the argument. And I think that the point you raised about being able to be in third person but still having the advantages of first person is maybe not so direct as you might be able to export HUD data, but if it gives you an advantage in that, I don't know, you, you just have some of the ability that being in first person is purposely being locked out from you in third, then that creates a problem because you're, you're unbalancing the game even if it's only slightly. Again, but then the more I think about it, uh, you get websites for like Elite Dangerous that will show you the commodity prices in every single star system. But one of the sort of things with Star Citizen is that the prices are supposed to be traveling at the speed of light at best. You know, they can't break that barrier. Yeah. So you shouldn't know what the price of a commodity is 20 systems away. And I realize that people are always going to metagame regardless. But I think that there's a difference between people metagaming and having put the effort in to do so and just being able to obtain that data by typing two commands into the chat line. There's a big difference between people metagaming and enabling people to metagame. And ultimately, if it doesn't impact my experience, then I really don't care all too much about it. With the trading stuff, I think they solve that problem by just having 90% of the trade stuff NPC. will be blissfully ignorant of the websites because there are bots. Yeah. There are bots in the game that are just going according to what's been programmed. And if there is FTL information that, you know, gets out because it's, you know, metagamed out, okay, then player characters who, number one, know about the websites, number two, use the websites, number three, use them effectively, they'll have an advantage, but that is a very small percentage, is a very small portion of the total number of actors out there, and it probably won't move the needle on the overall economy that much. It'll make those guys really happy, but it won't totally completely you know wreck the wreck the entire uh, yeah. system and that's what it's all we about think. it's all about balance it's all about yeah. if you can put in an add-on that gives somebody the ability to effectively have the same insight that they could at that particular time it's just in a more convenient factor then that's one thing giving them the ability to leverage that as an advantage is where it kind of crosses the line because then you end up with I don't know, if you want to get into a particular group of going salvaging, oh, what's that? You don't have the Vandal radar? Well, no, we don't want you with us. You know, it's right. that sort of thing. Yeah. I don't think realistically that is ever likely to happen, but it's just basing on past game experience, I really hope it doesn't. Well, it's, again, you know, since there's the formation stage and the discussion stage, it's just something to keep yeah. in mind. Yeah, yeah. And that's one of the beauties of open development. It can change at any time. And Jason Hutchins updates us all on the Star Marine progress again this week. The code merge woes continue as everything from missing helmets to 
endless showers of lunch trays plagued the QA team, but never fear, the end is near. Art is almost completely done, with the possible exception of the laser sniper. Animation and audio are getting close, and networking and UI still have a few things to do, but overall, it's really coming together. Jason does give us a hint of a new future, though. Last week, he teased the new headquarters map that is currently in testing, and this week, he confirms that the ever-popular Rick system will be available for ground weapons as well. To quote... Some backers will have access to some stretch goal weapons in Star Marine, though everything will be available for Wreck. This deserves its own post, and we'll have more for you when we're ready to launch onto the PTU. So, Tony, how does the idea of first-person shooter and Wreck sit with you? Oh, this combination is so wonderful, Lennon. I think I will explode from happiness and joy. <laughs> it's fine. Am I detecting I've... a hint of sarcasm? It's fine, it's fine. I've made my peace with it. In honor of this announcement, and this sideways confirmation, I went and I made my first wreck purchase today. Oh? Yeah, I did. I rented a Cutlass Black. I think you mispronounced uh, Mustang. <laughs> <laughs> Not even close, sir. Not even. No, I, I rented a Cutlass Black, you know, the... Um, this will be in news we didn't use, but uh, the Avenger test drive is out there. And I thought, well, I should compare and contrast, right? I love my Hornet, but I'll go out there and maybe I'll fly around with an Avenger for a little bit and take on the Cutlass, too. You know, I, I see them as us all, all... They're all ships that I might like to fly right. in, in the Persistent Universe. So I uh, thought I'd give them all a spin this weekend. So, But, uh, yeah, I made my first wreck purchase. And it was it was easy. I mean, I will say nice things about the transaction process on the website, and I hope they make it that easy and smooth in-universe as well. I hope we can start doing those rec purchases in-game at a vendor, and I hope it works as smoothly as it did on the website. Now it's time for news we didn't use. Galactic Guide Pharon System. If Sol was the Empire's heart and Terra is its head, then Pharon is the blood coursing through its veins. Test drive the Avenger line. Your chance to check how this ship flies before the new variants hit. Observist Dark, Levski, Nix. Take a look at one of the more savory places in the verse. Meet the CIG devs with Benno Boniasser, the CTO and co-founder of Turbulent. Around the Verse, episode 60, Sandy says the next great star citizen is coming soon. Dancing finger guns. And this week's community question, what sorts of additional apps would you like to see created? Are you hankering for some economic data, a Vanduul translation guide, or a good old DPS parser? Maybe you've got a different idea to bring to the table. Let us know. Send an email to squawk at guardfrequency.com or post on our show threads over at robertspaceindustries.com. Well, now that we're all caught up with the latest news from around the verse, let's tune in to the rich and famous verse in this week's Nuggets for Nuggets. You have all flown before, but you're about to enter a whole new world, so pay attention. That means get on your feet, Nuggets. Coming up on Rich and Famous Universe, Claw V, owner-operator of Cubby Blast on Art Corp, mysterious rough-and-tumble shop owner, or so he would have us believe. Claw set up Cubby Blast on Art Corp in Area 18, 2932, apparently because he was tired of his rough-and-tumble smuggling career. 
What history? Smuggling illegal goods, spending most of his time in Cathcart, running with a crew that would rather die than get caught by the advocacy. Yes, but can anyone verify this? Is he a retired smuggler gone legit? A lot of what he's pulled off could just be a shrewd businessman who found a successful shtick before anybody else did. He's got himself well established on Art Corp. I'll say, rumor has his lease term was measured in half centuries. Even some of the Art Corp's own shops don't have an arrangement like that. It is unprecedented, but I bet he had to give something up for it. He's obviously got enough business to branch out, but he stays on Arc Corp. It gives him originality, but is it really because it just can't be Cubby Blast without the V? Apparently he's the man to go to if you need that special something that VD can't give you. Well, with that background, he's got to have access to stuff that fully legit businesses won't touch. He's filling the need for edgy merchandise his customers want without making them risk their own necks around outlaws. But how is the question? I haven't found one person who actually got something illegal from the shop. Oh, sure, you hear stories, but I heard stories in my sleeping cube as a child. There's nothing he's got that good exclusivity contacts with certain manufacturers wouldn't give you. Apparently he's quite the character. Not enough of a character to keep his Spectrum show on the air, though. I've got to say, ripping off the look of the store out of Spider has to take guts. If you ask me, you're looking for a bounty on your head trying to do something like that. Have you been to Spider? Or even the Cathcart system? I have. There are places on Art Corp that worry me more than that beehive. And as for ripping off, well, let me tell you how many shops actually resemble Cubby Blast. For the real story on Mr. V and his infamous shop, join us and our special guest Brack Hickson from EBC News on Rich and Famous Universe. Okay, buddy, what's on your mind? We're all friendlies! So let's just be friendly! Some say his computer exploded on the Wednesday night stream at 6pm central, and that he's become the first man to travel solo without a capsule to the moon. But all we know is he's called the Shiv, and he'll put together this week's feedback. What are your thoughts on the forum reshuffle and the new community hub? Let us know, and um, you sure did. Yep, Heramus says, Great show, everybody. The community hub is without a doubt great, but has by far not reached its full potential even with the announcement of the future updates. I would love to see podcasts and radios directly accessible, i.e. streamable. As a super special Best Damn Space Sim ever bonus, we would be available to have the hub's content in-game, for the longer travel, especially for the audio streams and maybe even video streams, but this is at the moment just a fantasy. I would love to hear guard frequency over my ship's con system or some star citizen elevator. On the forum lockdown, I think you've got some good views on that. I have no issues with the backers-only forum, especially that this is the only source where all the backers can come together. And we should be able to talk in a closed circle, even if we are all a little bit of a freaked-out fangirl slash fanboy. On a different note, you should extract your lore content and host it additionally on the hub and on the site. It will also sum up to be good base material for in-fiction in-game radio someday. Ostron says, great show all. I don't mind the new forum rules. In my experience, any internet community that doesn't have a paywall requires constant vigilance in order to maintain civility. I'd rather CIG keep using the money we give them to develop the game better and faster over hiring more people to monitor the forums and or monitor the people who monitor forums. The point of giving money to CIG's crowdfunding is to be involved in the development process. That's always been the message from the beginning. Posting on the forums influences development. The devs have said multiple times they check the forums. So I see this as a small measure of reclaiming a privilege of backing. 
Sal, a.k.a. Dave. Great show, guys, and one of the best nuggets yet. I agree with Hermes. You should extract your lore content and host it additionally on the hub and site. As far as the hub is concerned, I'm glad that they have it, but from a web design point of view, they have a long, long way to go. I think it's a great idea they made those form changes. It's a long time coming. One thing I'm sure you are aware of now that you did not mention was the subsection for new recruits. It allows anyone to post. People with legitimate complaints about SCCIG can take them to a matron of other forms blogs if they're willing to give them a paltry $5 to make their voices heard on CIG's forms. One does not have to buy a package to get backer status. Adamontiado says, Hi guys, great show. The forum rejig makes sense to me. I don't attribute the shift to any particular person's antics as I believe the paygate is only $5 and really wouldn't stop a dedicated troublemaker who has money. It makes sense to have it limited to the folks that have committed some actual cash to the project rather than simply anyone who wants to be heard. As to Doc Buckshot's comment about the character skeleton not being important, I strongly disagree. My primary interest in Star Citizen is storytelling, and the characters I play, and I plan on playing more than one, will have different looks, different personalities, and different objectives. The physical presence of these characters is very important as to who they are and how they are perceived. And Benu says, for this week's question, the community hub looks nice, but I'm curious to see how it changes as community content is added. I actually think the issue council is a much bigger deal since it gives CIG a more uniform way of collecting bug reports and feedback about bugs. On the question of the forum reorg, I honestly can't see the upside of allowing people who haven't pledged to post on the forums. If you don't believe enough in the game to get a game package, then why should CIG listen to your brackets concerns? You can't please everyone, and a successful business should pay more attention to its current customers than Joe Bloggs, who, quote, might buy the game, but only if bracketed concern is addressed. Good feedback again this week. Um, I kind of agree with our uh, two backers, uh, Seo and Haramus, there, that our uh, in-game fiction would make good radio for an in-game radio show. And, in fact, that's where we've taken nuggets over the past year. We had a production meeting discussion sometime after our first anniversary, and that's where we've been taking nuggets. Eventually, we want to bundle all that up and turn it into something that you might listen to on your in-game space radio as a streaming channel. That We could use it as cut-ins or commercials between music or have other shows or whatever in there. But we want to make it an in-fiction thing that people who want to in fiction listen to the spectrum you know these are things they might hear the only thing that we have a slight issue with literally right now is that the law that we put into the nugget segments is only obviously correct at the time of recording and since right. then a lot has come to overwrite or change or just slightly alter the way certain mechanics work for example when we did a, a thing about the retaliator we exclusively pegged it as just a bomber then they brought out battlefield upgrade kits and now it can be a bomber or a troop transport or a cargo ship so you know there's there's little tiny things like that which as we get closer and closer to release those details are going to be more and more cemented but we've taken all the feedback on board and we have actually started collating all of the nuggets into uh, one handy to manage nugget if you will a giant <laughs> nugget super nugget super yeah. nugget <laughs> which we a patty is it has it been approached to patty yet I, I think it's approaching patty status certainly oh good okay. um, and we plan on stitching it all together and making it available possibly as like a, a historical archive view that way if any of the information is wrong it's just that was the past I, I'm actually hoping that we'll be able to have the priority one network in game where we can put a bunch of content and then our podcast would be just a part of that whole 
brand. Well, let's let them finish making the mini Persistent Universe first, and then we'll start our demands. Light the torches and carry pitchforks. On to general feedback. Sean Newboy. Love the show, everyone. Thanks for the hard work. <laughs> Amiga writes in and says, I've watched Guard Frequency. Good stuff. I'm hoping they meant streamed, but yeah, I'm, if you've been watching us, then... Uh, and we have yeah. serious security problems. <laughs> yeah, we really do. At Pokebox says, It's always amazing hearing Jeff trying to pronounce people's Thank names. Thank you. It's my job on the show. Didn't you know that when they hired me, they sent me down and said, <laughs> Now, a part of your character will be you mispronounce every single name that we ever lay in front of you. We put a Chinese food menu in front of them and listen to them for about 20 minutes. You're hired. Uh, so, Patreon Mark Bogman says, you almost got my name right. Yay! See? The almost part. <laughs> Kemp from Chicago says, The reporter asking regarding retaliator variants was great. He had his priorities sorted out, not just some pretty boy on screen. Our new Patreon this week is Daniel Stapleford. Our winner of a brand new patch is Michael Lynn. And this week's community question, what sort of additional apps would you like to see created? Are you hankering for some economic data? Maybe a FanDuel translation guide or a good old DPS parser? Or maybe you've got a different idea you want to bring up. Send an email to squawk at guardfrequency.com or post in our show thread over at robertspaceindustries.com. So how was the show? Did we explode in a blaze of glory like Shiv's computer or end more like he did in the Murray Cup? Assuming that those are two different things. Either way, let us know. Here are some ways you can get in touch with us. Check out our forum post at forums.robertspaceindustries.com. You can leave a comment on this episode's show notes at guardfrequency.com. You can subscribe at feeds.guardfrequency.com or find us on iTunes. You can hit us up on Twitter at GuardFreak or leave a comment and like us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash guardfreak. And if you're old school like us, shoot an email to squawk at guardfrequency.com. Your feedback's an important part of what we do, so take a minute. Tell us what's on your mind. And that brings us to the end of episode 89 of Yard Frequency. We'll be back with episode 90 on September 22nd, so be sure to keep an eye out for our shows at guardfrequency.com or the official Robert Space Industries fan site subforum. Please send us your feedback about the show. Aside from all the ways we just ran down, you can also use the contact form on our website, and all the details for all the ways that you can get in touch with us can be found in the show notes. Do you like what we do? Want to come and help us make the best damn space sim podcast ever? If so, just drop us a note to squawk at guardfrequency.com. And don't forget about our sister production, Priority One. They cover Star Trek Online and the greatest Star Trek universe, so just head on over to priorityonepodcast.com to check them out. Are you looking for a friendly wingman or two? Check out our organization, Guard Frequency Response, at the official RSI website, robertspaceindustries.com forward slash orgs forward slash guardfreak. And if you're not doing anything Friday nights, then you should come and join us live over at guardfrequency.com forward slash live. We start recording around 11 p.m. Central. That's Saturdays at 5 a.m. GMT. We want to thank the entire team at Guard Frequency and the Priority One Network. Thanks to our community manager, Justin Chivalry Bean Lowmaster, our artist, Ben Sanders and Simon Charlton Edwards, our staff writer, Jeff Grant, and our audio engineer, Michael Duncan. Thanks to our syndication partner, The Bass, and special thanks to Ronald Jenkins for his permission to use his music in our show. Visit ronaldjenkins.com for more of his work. But above all, we especially want to thank you folks for tuning in. No one's listening out there. The deep black gets pretty lonely. Reduce thrust. Time to 330, Carol 15, Squawk 7700. Stay on the guard. Any
a crew that would rather die than get caught up in the event. Ah, <laughs> uh, that was good. It's very natural. I like that. Running with a crew that would rather die than get caught up by the abyss. At I can't say this word. <laughs> Meet the CIG devs with Beno Boniacer. <laughs> ben, it's right there. Uh, I'm sorry, Benoit Beausayor. The CTO and co-founder... Lennon, Lennon, give, Lennon, coach him. Beau Sejour. Beau Sejour. Okay. Yes. <laughs> Benoit Beau Sejour, the CTO and co-founder of Turbulent. Kind of agree with... Uh, 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 scroll, scroll, scroll. Sorry, Mikey. Uh, scroll, 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 scroll. Oh, right. That's that's going to be an app that I'm going to hook in. I will, I will make a <laughs> uh, podcast streamer app, provided that we have nice. the API access. In fact, even if they don't give me the API access, I you well you could probably just run it in the background. Actually, I'm talking myself out of my own app here. Um, I'm just going to shut up. Okay. Yeah. Well, back to the drawing board with you. Yeah. How about back to the feedback? Our new Patreon this week is Daniel Stepford Stapleford. Thank you. Try it again. Our new Patreon this week is Daniel Stepford. <laughs> <laughs> Try it again. <laughs> oh. oh. Our new Patreon this week is Daniel Steppelford. Try it again. <laughs> Damn, I screwed it all up.